Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm Brett McGrath, your host. You already know that. Hopefully, you're off to a good start this week. I am enjoying some family time, enjoying that paternity leave. I have had more downtime than ever. It's been work, but it's been a different type of work, but I am enjoying the hell out of it. Watching a lot of content on the television, a lot of streaming going on over here. I'm spending time when everyone's down on my phone doing what we love to do over here, and that's navigate and explore the hobby. I'm spending some time right now as my wife and my baby are down to record this episode of Stacking Slabs, so hopefully um, you enjoy it. I know uh, the process of putting these shows together and trying to decide what the hell am I going to talk about is always fun and enjoyable. On this episode, I am going to talk a little bit about, I think the main thing I want to talk about is money, uh, money spent in the hobby. I think I have been a part of a couple conversations this week just regarding fine financials and how we approach the hobby. And I'm not here to give any financial advice. Certainly not. That's not my lane. I would never do that to you and the audience. You all can figure out how to spend your money. But I think it would be, it's important to maybe share some of my process and how I break it down. I don't hear a lot of people talk about this, but I'm going to share some perspective there. Um, right before I hit record on this, I got a little notification from our friends at PSA saying, Hey, Brett, your order has popped, baby. It didn't actually say that, but if I was writing copy for PSA, I would certainly have a surprise and delight email with some um, fun copy in those emails because you know us. We've been waiting around for a while, huh? If if you've submitted, chances are if you're not doing the super uh, parabolic hyper express or whatever they call it, um, your chances are you've been waiting months, maybe even some cases years. I think I sent my package in September of 2020. 2020. Um, November is when it was marked in the system. February is kind of when it was started of 2021. And, you know, it's late October and I just got my grades, baby. And this was a massive 171 wrestling card sub. I like what I'm seeing, okay? I'm going to do a reveal. We're going to get on Instagram Live, baby. We're going to show off some wrestling cards. This, for a majority of these cards, was from a collection that I bought. And I'm happy based on the way vintage works with how it turned out. I think the hard part for me now is I understand what's coming back to me. Just trying to figure out what do I want to keep? What do I want to sell? I think priority number one for me is cover the cost of the submission. I, I want to get that covered off on certainly in 171 cards with multiple grades across many different sets. There's got to be stuff in there that I look at and say, you know what? I don't need this. I'd rather use this to cover the cost of grading. So I think as this is a process and a topic that I certainly will shed some more light on in future episodes of Stacking Slabs, just bulk subs. Um, you know, certainly it's not cheap to sub 171 cards. Um, but it kind of goes along with the topic today about just spending money in the hobby. So I'll be sharing more about that, but 
excited nonetheless. It's been a journey. I'm excited to get some of these cards back in my PC. And hopefully, if you're a wrestling card collector and fan, maybe in your PC, I'm going to be pushing those out. Um, and I got to figure out, I guess I've got plenty of time in the next week to figure out what I'm keeping and what I'm not. But it's always good to have subs back. I think part of the reason why I wanted to talk about money um, on this episode is regardless of your position and how you do the hobby, um, it's really about two things, I think, at the end of the day. It's cash and collecting. Uh, It's the two C's. I think I'm a grilling with JR fan, Jim Ross. Um, He's got one of my favorite podcasts out. And and from a wrestling perspective, he always talks about the two C's from cash and creative. I'm going to apply that to the hobby. I'm going to say cash and collecting. So I'm going to get into that at the end of the episode. But From the jump here, we've got the NBA back going on. And with a lot of downtime I have and with a subscription of League Pass, I've been doing what most of you probably have been doing and being an NBA degenerate. It is fun. I love it. I love seeing teams, players in new situations, seeing how it goes. I'm never, much like in the NFL, it's never overreaction. We've only played two games, Um, but I'm excited that the NBA is back on the floor. And certainly the fact that NBA cards are back in the mix and I'm seeing more and more uh, people posting their players and it's a, it's a little different, I think, from, from my vantage point uh, when it comes to NBA season kicking off from NFL season kicking off. I think for, with the, on the NBA side, I have a little bit of a struggle to connect with the ultra modern or mainstream way of how a lot of people do the hobby. Um, This is certainly not saying um, it's wrong, um, but I know based on just the first week or so, it's certainly not for me. And I think the reason it's not for me is because some of the reactions, some of the postings, some of the sharing, some of the narratives, it really signifies kind of this long-term versus short-term mindset when it comes to the hobby. And I know like, There have been companies that have built platforms off of this, and there's been a lot of different ways that people approach the hobby from this perspective. But like this player stocks mentality seems to be more prevalent in NBA cards than any other segments. I think it makes sense. It's the largest and largest market with the most interest. And I think that affords it to be more open to diversity. And I'm not here to discount it. I don't want to say it's I'm here to discount it. I think I've been on record of saying it that I think the more ways people do the hobby, the better. And I think we should all be able to decide who we buy, who we pour money into, how we do the hobby. I think for me personally, there's a little bit of a disconnect. Um, And the disconnect comes in with when the use of social media to hype a player back into existence takes precedence. I'm always the guy and maybe this is just the get off my lawn mentality or maybe it's how I've evolved in the hobby. I think they're on the court performance and how they show up in interviews and their brand off the court should determine the collectability and the long-term growth of an NBA player's prices. I mean, it's undeniable that Michael Jordan is the sports card goat potential. Sports card goat, I think that's fair. Greatest basketball player of all time, I think that's fair. Um, so his prices of his cards reflect that, right? Um, I was um, watching something from uh, 20 years ago, I think, and it was um, 
they were players. Uh, this is post, um, you know, Jordan retirement. There were players putting on a Jordan branded shoes, and I was like, God, like this is this has been going on forever. This guy is, you know, certainly built his legacy through the game, built this brand. Um, he's someone that kids that are being born today, when they are able to recognize basketball, their moms and dads will talk about Michael Jordan, and so inevitably like Michael Jordan is certainly collectible and it'll be collectible forever as one of the greatest athletes of all time. I think we don't need to go to our Instagram and share those things and remind people. It's just stated. It's understood. We know Michael Jordan's a legend. We know he is on this was on the 75 list of greatest athletes of all time. And I almost, it was almost funny to see Jordan on that graphic. It's like, duh, of course, like we need to give him a special, like a special, like symbol or something to signify like his greatness amongst these 75. At least that's how I feel. But I think to me, you, you see these 75 players, you see Jordans and it's just understood that they should be collectible. And I think in the short term mindset, individuals um, who pour their money into these players who are unproven, who haven't done anything, who are pure speculation. Individuals are their own hype machines if they're if they're buying these players. And they hype these players up and every little performance they have. And it's kind of funny when these players do, these players who haven't really done much, don't have a great game. You don't really hear the people who buy their cards, but it's when they do have a game man, they're flooded the feed and they're excited and they're talking about, hey, I told you so and look at these players and yada, yada, yada. And I think the short-term mindset is I want to pump up these guys and then I'm going to sell these guys. And I think individuals have the ability, depending on the size of their platform, to have some sort of influence on what their audience sees on top of their own knowledge of what's happening with basketball and basketball cards. And I think depending on the size of the platform, that might add to some of these short-term incremental gains, but it's never sustainable. It's never sustainable. So I think I'm excited. People are excited. I'm excited. People are going to continue to speculate. I think this is good for the hobby. This is good for cards. I think what's not good for the hobby and what's not good for cards is when people who are holding um, feel and required to pump their cards in these players after a few games. And it's like, just give it a break, let it breathe. And so I think to me, it that is a little, I, I don't like to play in that lane. I think some people do. And I think for me, it takes a collective to determine the long-term sustainability and value of a player. And I think no few people are going to be able to hype up the market and um, create narratives and use social media to create long-term value. And when I call me crazy, everybody, but this has been in this, it's been in my rear view and I put it in the rear view for a reason. But part of the reason why I don't like NFTs is because, um, and if you're an NFT person, I by no means disrespect like I know there's an audience there and I know people enjoy it and it's just not for me but it's not for me because I again I asked myself the question if social media didn't exist would NFTs have any value would they I don't know but that's how I feel about some of these 
short-term guys who people are spending a lot of money on pumping up their cards if they didn't have social media to promote these players would they would their value be what they are i don't know and so the short-term mindset attaching ourselves to uh what other people are doing like i think that's why i don't like the speculation game in basketball cards and i think that's kind of the reason why i don't like the speculation and association with bigger platforms, bigger people. Hey, come check out my NFT, check out my project. Like that's just why it's not for me. So I'm seeing some parallels in reasons why personally I'm not an NFT guy and also why I'm not really a speculator in the NBA side. But if you are, have fun, just be careful. Everyone does the hobby in a different way. I just know, especially out of the gates in 2021, that type of collecting just isn't for me. I want to say special thank you to Upper Deck, special thank you to um, Billy Celio talking about the AEW product. That was such a fun conversation. That was one I had been wanting on this show for quite some time. Really good dude, totally passionate about AEW and what he is building over there. Definitely give that product a look if you have any interest in wrestling cards. I'm having a blast with wrestling cards. You already know that. I think I have passion around it, and also I think the community is amazing. This Friday, I'll be dropping an episode with my man Josh from Card Ladder. He sold a little card, this uh, exquisite um, rookie patch auto of LeBron James. You ever heard of this card? He sold one for one mil, and it went to MC Sports Cards. This was all over Instagram. I said, you know what, Josh, let's get you on the show to talk about the sale, why you got out what this means to you and your whole process you went through. So I'm big on talking about process, big about learning from others. And I think Josh is certainly someone who's always very insightful. And with this sale happening, I feel like, you know what, there's something I can learn from him. And you know what, I think there is something we all can learn from it too. I'm going to be working on more fun guests, more people on the show. I'm excited to bring you more Stacking Slabs. If you're not already, hit the subscribe button. Why don't you tell a damn friend, okay? You can do me one favor, just one. Tell someone you're listening to Stacking Slabs. Put it on the Instagram. Put it on the Twitter. Do what you do, but support the show. That's the best way you can support the show is to tell someone you're enjoying what we're doing over here. Let's get in. We're rounding the corner. Let's talk a little bit about money, okay? Ted DiBiase style. The Million Dollar Man. Money, 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 money. It's inevitable. Money is part of the hobby. Money is potentially, probably, the most important part of the hobby. I've had a few conversations around finances recently, and it caused me to reflect. So what I'm going to do is share what I do. Share how I handle my monetary means and how I apply it into the hobby, and hopefully, This gives you some opportunity to reflect on how you do it. I'm going to share what I do, and this is not going to work for everyone because everyone has a different financial situation. Everyone does. I'm still waiting for that money tree out back to grow so I can start buying some of these big boy cards. But until then, I'm going to continue to do the hobby like I've always done it. So from the jump, I think part of the biggest reason why I've been able to sustain my financial position with sports cards is because I've put 
lanes around what I collect and what I'm going to spend money around. When I put those lanes around those segments, I want to make sure it aligns with passion and has potential to, I have potential to profit around it. Sometimes it's just passion. I'll buy something and I know that it's not going to go up in value over time. That's fine. But it's never just profit. So I'm never, I'm never just going buying cards these days where it's like, okay, I'm going to buy this Tyler Hero card because he started the season off and I'm going to spend 2K on this, you know, immaculate autograph PSA 10 Tyler Hero card. And I don't give a shit about Tyler Hero, but you know what? The rest of the people do because they're all flooding my feed with how great Tyler Hero is. And so I'm going to buy this Tyler Hero card and I'm going to bet on the fact that he's going to continue to play well. And then a couple months, I'm going to sell it for 3K. I don't do that. It's So to me, it's never profit. Never just buy something to try to profit. I've tried that and you get twisted fast. And it's not fun. I don't have fun with that. So for me, it aligns with my passion and, and potential to profit. Few cases, it's just passion. But passion, profit mix in there. Also, I set rules and structure for how my money is spent on cards. And that's what I'm going to talk about. So some people don't take any money out of their paychecks to fund their collecting. I hear a lot of people talk about this. I appreciate that approach, but that approach isn't for me because I I value my time too much. And so what that means is, you know, I'm not listing a bunch of cards on, you know, ComC, Starstock, what pick your eBay, pick your platform of choice. I'm just not doing that. Um, and I know people who do have the time and who do that, do that, they are able to run a very sustainable hobby operation. It's just, that's not for me because I just don't want to do all that work. I just, I, I don't have fun doing that. And that's not for me. So for me, I, I like to invest a percentage of my paycheck each month, just like I invest a percentage of my paychecks each month into my financial portfolio, I invest a percentage of my paycheck each month into sports cards, okay? Some people use their discretionary funds on clothes and other material items. I use my extra money for sports cards. That's what I do. And I think, okay, so I'm married. Obviously, I just had a kid. So with marriage, I'm not gonna get into marriage financial counseling advice. That's not what we're doing over here on Stacking Slabs. But I think a majority of my paycheck just by being married and um, through that relationship goes to our mutual pot, okay? And the mutual pot is paying credit cards, we're paying off cars, paying off loans, you know, paying mortgages, all that stuff. And so then there's money left that goes just to me. And so that money that that's left that goes just to me, uh, tip, I'm, that's where I'm spending my money on cards. I can't have enough of that money because I just want to buy cards with it. And so- I put that money into cards that fit those lanes around, you know, passion and profitability. And my PC, I view my PC as two things. It's a monetary asset. And then it also plus, which is something I value in this whole operation is it's the joy as a collector that these pieces bring me. So it's that, it's that um, utility value of being a sports card collector. So my PC, monetary asset, and just utility value of being wanting the cards and enjoying the cards. My buys that I'm making are long-term. So I'm not buying a card that I'm going to flip tomorrow. Quite frankly, it's really difficult for me to sell cards. It, it's, it's, cha- it's a challenge, and there has to be a reason and a purpose. But because my buys are long-term, 
I have to have flexibility and know that things change. And sometimes I need to dip into my stash of cards in order to make a bigger buy. So my lanes, I've talked about it, you know, Peyton Manning, Colts quarterbacks, a little bit of Brady, wrestling cards. If I did want to enter a new lane, say, okay, Reggie Miller was on the 75 greatest basketball players list. I went to games at Market Square Arena as a kid. I love the Pacers versus the Knicks. Reggie's the king of basketball in Indianapolis. I don't have a big Reggie Miller collection. I have some cars, but if I wanted to beef up that Reggie Miller collection, I wouldn't take that money out of my paycheck to go start that Reggie collection. I would need to segment. I would need to dig into one of my other lanes in my PC and start selling off some uh, some of those cards and then apply that money to start building a new Reggie PC. That's my mentality. I think I also try to invest in moments too. So that PSA sub that I have coming my way next week, hopefully, that's an investment. But I know by taking money and investing in the PSA sub, I know that there's going to be benefits that I can sell off cards, I can, I can cover the costs, have some cards in my PC, and hopefully make, a, make some profit. Also, too, I'll sell off other assets I have and other collections in order to support it. There are instances, too, financially, where cards pop up in the hobby, and I look at my PC, and I realize, okay, I don't want to move any cards to get this card, but maybe some of my card money doesn't cover the cost of that card that's available. What do I do? Well, this is something that I do sometimes. When a card pops up that I know I'm not going to see again, but I know I need, is I'll buy the card and then I'll figure out after the fact, how do I liquidate some of what I have, whether it's my PC, whether it's uh, other assets to cover the cost of that so I'm not in debt because of sports cards. You might be in debt for a short term, but really the goal is always, okay, how do I how do I get myself out of this debt quickest by taking leveraging my existing uh, assets to cover the cost of this? Because I know I'm not might not get another crack at this. I think that's something that's really interesting and really not talked about enough in the hobby is how people move around, how people move around their money, how people buy big cards when they don't necessarily have the cash flow in hand. But then how do they work themselves out of it by selling? cards in their PC or selling other items or assets that they might own. I think that's a really interesting topic. And I know a lot of different people do it in a lot of different ways. I think for me, my goals when I approach cards, I think first and foremost, it can't be stressful. It's got to be something I enjoy. It's got to be something that like can not be a stressor and it can be an escape for me. So that's like priority. And obviously we know with money, finances, that can be stressful. So I never try I never get twisted and put myself into a situation where I'm stressed out over buying cards. Anything that I'm buying, I, I know I can afford, whether it's me having the cash in my bank account right then or me having cards that I know can cover the cost of that. One thing that I will just say is a disclaimer, and I, it's a good way to protect yourself, is it is challenging and you don't want to be in a position where you lose out on everything is to go sell some cards that you love and then go buy a card because I've heard stories. It hasn't happened to me. Is like you sell some stuff, 
and you're waiting to raise funds for a card and then the card gets uh, scooped up. And so then you don't have the card. Then you've sold like three or four cards that you love and you're screwed both ways. So that's why I think a lot of people, including myself in some of these instances, when you see a card, you just go buy it and make sure you secure it. And then you go sell the money um, to cover the cost of, of the bill or the invoice or whatever, however you're financing that card. I think that's something that's interesting. So goals, right? I never want to get twisted sideways and get myself into long-term debt. Haven't done it since I've been back in the hobby. It's made my life more enjoyable. I think it's always to protecting my long-term investments and just you got to have diamond hands, okay? Sometimes it's like, God, I've seen this card that I have that there's a few copies go up 3X. Something that I've heard people talk about that I think is really important is the value of that card to you. And so even if a card 3Xs and you don't want to get rid of it because you love the card, then keep it. Don't get rid of it. But if it's a card that you've outgrown or evolved from, then you can sell it. If it's 3X and the value is more important than the card itself. I think we all go through those evolutions and certainly your PC has it changes over time. But for me, I want to protect my long-term investments. And also, I never want to become financially dependent on the cards that I have. I don't, right? It's not the position I want to be in. I think people flash big cards. And when people post these massive monsters on Instagram, you, you start thinking, well, like, how does this person afford this? How are they doing it? It's like, don't compare yourselves to others. I think everyone has their own process. And part of me talking about it now is just to share my mentality and process. It's not going to be the same for you. But I think the one thing I do know is the more time and the more energy and the more you refine your financial situation and time spent in the hobby is the more comfortable you get. I know at least that's how it's been for me. And that's why I love spending money on sports cards. It's so rewarding. Do I have it figured out? Is it perfect? Absolutely not. It's always an evolution. I think you have an opportunity to look at your situation, hopefully, after this and think, am I doing it right? Can I change things? What can I do? And I think ultimately your goals are going to be different from mine. Your financial situation is going to be different from mine. But I think these are important things that we should think about so we're not just spending money aimlessly on things that we don't care about two to three months from now. And then on top of that, we've gone into a little bit of sports card debt. That's never fun. This is supposed to be an escape and we're supposed to enjoy it. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Josh from Card Ladder on Stacking Slabs this Friday. Peace out.